Welcome back to the program. In a business environment as data-driven as ours, we still often don't always view success through the same lens that Fitzgerald used to describe Gatsby. That is, an unbroken series of successful gestures. Still, success to be sustainable and replicable, both personal and professional, has to be more than habit or behavioral. In a world in which change takes place so quickly, workforce diversity, both generational and ethnic, is so varied. The same solutions to problems, even if used over and over again, are not always applicable. That's why design and specific intention is so important as a tool for driving leaders and their organizations. That's what our guest Mindy Hall focuses on in her new book, Leading with Intention. Mindy Hall is the president and CEO of Peak Development Consulting. Her clients include leading pharmaceutical, biotech, and technology and insurance companies. She has over 25 years' experience in organization and leadership development and holds a Ph.D. in human and organizational systems. It is my pleasure to welcome Mindy Hall here to talk about leading with intention. Every moment is a choice. Mindy, thanks so much for joining us. Jeff, thanks very much for the opportunity. Great to have you here. Is there a difference, is there a fine line between being intentional in the art of leadership and authenticity? Can the two go together? I actually think the two go very well together. I also think there's a real connection to emotional intelligence with intention and with authenticity. I think part of where it... it, uh, connects is really people having an awareness of themselves and the impact that they have to those around them, to the organizations that they that they are in. Talk a little bit about that self-awareness, because it's something that we I think we maybe take for granted as far as leaders are concerned, but it's not always the case. That's very true. <laughs> very, very true, Jeff. And I would say that you know, about 75 to 80% of the leaders that I've had the pleasure of working with over the last 25 plus years, many of them are, are well-intentioned and many of them do well um, by intuition, but not a lot of them are as self-aware of their impact. I'd say about 75 to 80% don't operate as much with intention as they could. You know, leading with intention is really built upon a foundation of that awareness of yourself of the mindset you have, of the impact that you have on others, even of the context in which you're working. It literally is about being mindful about how you show up, how you land, what tone you set, um, and understanding and owning the contribution you make to any of the dynamics that you find yourself in. As you say, the thing that, that we forget sometimes is that in every interaction that we have, both personal and business, that you're the pivotal element in it. Absolutely. You know, I start the book, uh, the preface starts with um, this, this statement. It says, every interaction is an opportunity, every action has an impact, every moment is a choice, and then I ask the question, are you choosing the impact you want to have? And it really is, you know, what's been most interesting to me, I wrote the book for leaders, but I've really found that its message is resonating for people in their personal lives as well, and that being intentional isn't reserved for a business environment exclusively. It really can be applied to all walks of life. And people who are picking up the book and reading it are saying, you know, I have parents who say to me, you know, Mindy, I'm reading this book, and it really makes me think about how I'm operating as a parent with my child, um, just in terms of how I'm showing up, how intentional I'm being in my interactions. And so it's been an interesting and really exciting thing to see that its applicability has gone beyond the walls of organizations. 
Talk a little bit about the emotional intelligence aspect, because in many ways it is it is the corollary of what we've been talking about in terms of self-awareness, this sense of understanding about how your actions are going to impact others. You know, Daniel Goleman wrote, obviously, the, this fantastic book called Emotional Intelligence, EQ. And um, the premise is really that, you know, we, in particularly in organizations, get rewarded an awful lot for our functional leadership, our functional expertise. People get moved up because they're perhaps a, a better and brighter finance person or a, um, a, a more savvy marketer. And as they go higher in an organization, the reality is it becomes the less about what you do. That's really the price of entry. That's the expectation. It's much more about who you are being. And this EQ concept is really about do you have the emotional intelligence to understand who you are being? And how it's impacting others, as you talk about how you would experience a situation if you were on the other end of it, essentially. Exactly. And I I say all the time, you know, people say to me, so Mindy, if I want to start doing this, like, how do I, where, where do I start? And I say two words, notice yourself, you know, be in the moment and watch yourself in the moment all at the same time. It's a completely controllable variable. You know, your awareness is that controllable variable. And if you can be in the moment and watch yourself, you really start to understand, if I were on the receiving end of this exchange, how would I be experiencing it? What would it feel like to me? And it's more than just, you know, nice, uh, it's, it's more than just a, a nice empathetic thought, right? It's nice to be empathetic towards others, but it really has bottom line impact in organizations. The tone a leader sets sets a ball in motion. And the number one way that cultures get formed in organizations is by what a leader models. And in this day and age, you know, when we have um, organizations that, that continue to need to find ways to stay relevant to today's consumers and great talent that needs to feel inspired and operating in this day and age of business models that change overnight, understanding the tone that you're setting, the ball you're setting in motion, truly has bottom line impact on how people will then engage with the organization. How much more difficult is that today, given the excess time pressures that are on leaders, the speed at which everything moves, and the fact that sometimes habit and essentially autopilot is the default response? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Jeff. And and I do think that we... Um, I do think there are a lot of leaders that are extremely successful in operating out of pattern and operating out of intuition. And my premise is really that, you know, you can get by, by in doing that. And in this day and age when, you know, people are pressed for time, when there are, there's so much more coming at them in trying to get their attention, that it really is, that it does make a lot of sense that they want to um, really operate out of what's worked before. And, and I suggest that, you know, you, that's perfectly fine. And again, many of the leaders that I see do that. The leaders that I see that are great are those leaders that say, you know what, I think I can be more. I think I can be better. I want to have an impact in an organization that leaves people feeling inspired. I want to choose to show up in a way that leaves people wanting to, to really realize their fullest potential. It's something deeper that they aspire to. And, and it's not about needing it to be additive to somebody's day. It really is about discipline of thinking. So, you know, I had a leader that I worked with once who said to me, 
Mindy, won't this take a lot of time? You know, like, I can't really think about all of this stuff while I'm trying to get my work done. And I said to him, you know, walking to a meeting, ask yourself, how do I want to show up? And how long will that take? That's a 10-second that's a conversation with yourself. And what that does is it helps you to show up in a way that's much more intentional than running into the room from another meeting, which is typically the case, right? Not terribly clear about <laughs> what, what you want to accomplish and running into the room and kind of showing up, taking a deep breath and saying, okay, I'm here and reacting in the moment. If you take that time to just say, how do I want to show up in this room? It will help you show up in a much more intentional way. And that relates to this point of design, that it doesn't have to be, you don't have to think about that in the moment before it happens, but you can think about it the day before or the morning before or whatever it might be. Yeah, I actually uh, suggest to people, you know, the night, most of us when we're on our drive home from work, um, we'll think about what's coming up the next day. And what I suggest to people is, you know, think about every meeting that you're going to have. In the book, I have a, a very easy little tool called the 2 plus 2. And essentially what that is is what are two things you want to contribute in the meetings that you're going to be in and what are two questions you want to ask. I, I learned this from a, a senior executive who um, had responsibility for a very large zone of the world. And I was I had the great fortune to work with him. And he was somebody who every meeting he showed up in, he was spot on in terms of the questions he was trying to ask, the, the conversation he wanted to drive, the contribution he wanted to make. And I asked him, how in the world do you do that? You know, you have, you have over 5,000 people that you're responsible for. You have multiple zones around the world. How do you do that? And he said, every time I go into a room, I, ha I think of two things I want to contribute to the conversation that's going to be going on in that room, so the topic, and two questions I want to ask about the topic. And he says, and it makes me show up grounded and present and ready, and it makes me show up in a way that, you know, I am I'm fully briefed on what I want to be able to, to contribute to that meeting. And so I watched him from that moment on, and it was amazing to me to see the impact of that, and I started doing that in my own work. And it's amazing. It's now a habit of mine. It's now becomes part of how I operate. And every time I go into a room, I think of what my two plus two is. And so, you know, I think part of this is really about discipline. It's about doing it over and over so that it then becomes a way of operating. And it really is just a consistency over time that works that muscle so that you can show up in, in a more intentional way. Is there a downside to that in that you are setting a prescribed agenda without necessarily listening or responding to what others might be saying or doing? You know, there's two, two, uh, two things that I think that um, come up for people when they think about this concept. One is what you just mentioned, Jeff, which is, you know, do you become almost uh, robotized, right? And, and my, I haven't ever seen that happen. Um, in my practice in helping people get more intentional. But I also um, think that it's about not going in as an automaton. It's not going in, you know, with I'm going to say these two things no matter what's happening in the room. It's actually working the muscle of, given the topic that's go that I'm walking into, here's two things that I think I can contribute to that topic. But it's being aware in the moment of whether that's appropriate or not. And so I think part of it is, you know, not taking this and swinging the pendulum, you know, all the way to a side that says, 
you know, I, I'm going to say this no matter if there's validity to the conversation or not, it really is working the muscle of just thinking about who you want to be when you walk in the room. The other thing that I hear a lot is, is this manipulation? Is this a manipulative tactic? And what I say um, to folks who ask that question is, it's manipulative if that's your intention. If your intention is, I want to show up and give the best of myself to this conversation in a way that, um, that helps not only me be more aware of myself in the room, but helps the conversation move forward, helps the topic move forward. If you start from that place, that's a very different intention than if you start from the place of, I want to manipulate this conversation to my benefit. And so I think part of this just becomes about what's your intention walking in the room. I, I tend to help people understand um, how, they, how they make sure that who they want to be in that room is really about the the betterment of everybody versus the betterment of just themselves. What is the nexus between this and the type of organization that we're talking about, whether it is an organization that is inherently hierarchical or one that is, that is more flat? You know, I would say that um, interesting for me in thinking about that question is that I don't know that I would attribute um, a hierarchical organization and a flat organization as being better or worse at this. Um, because I think it all boils down to the person or the people and the leaders and the tone that gets set. And I've seen hierarchical organizations, although you would, you would certainly think, well, there's a chain of command and people say only what they think they can say. You, that would be the general assumption you would make. But I've seen organizations that are uh, quite hierarchical in the way they're structured also have very open environments in the way the conversation flows. And that, by and large, um, rests with the tone the leader sets. I've also seen very flat organizations be as um, difficult in terms of you know, the assumption you would make about a hierarchical organization. I've also seen very flat organizations be that assumption where uh, people are very concerned about what they say and there's, more, there's less places to hide, so to speak. Um, so I really believe that it isn't related to the design of the organization as much to the behavior of the leader. You talked before about personal and professional in this approach. Does this approach really need to become, in order to be most effective, essentially a lifestyle, that, that it's very hard to turn it on at work and off in the rest of your life, that it really is it's an, it's a broader approach than just a work environment? I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I have a, uh, an example from, I guess it was last week, perhaps two weeks ago, about where this, this nexus happened of somebody's personal and professional life. So the news example is um, Tim Cook from, C, the, from Apple, the CEO of Apple. You know, in Bloomsburg Business Week, he came out as a gay man and wrote an essay about that. And when he took over the helm from Steve Jobs, he brought inclusion into the value set at Apple and had, there was a very, he had a very strong belief and they built a whole campaign around, quote, you know, we want people to be themselves. And that was the, the campaign and he talks about that. And when he added himself as a gay man, he really, and his quote in that article was, I added myself to help others who might be struggling to come to terms with who they are or inspire people to insist on, on their own equality. And for me, when I read that, it was that he was really modeling the behavior of the culture he wanted exemplified at Apple. And so to your point, you know, we don't, 
we don't put the cloak of professional on and walk into the the business world without some element of our personal life coming in as well, or vice versa. And I don't think the lines, um, I think the lines between those two worlds historically were much more distinct than they are today. Uh, I don't think people, particularly millennials, want a whole lot of this, you know, I have to be one person in one place and a different person in another place. And I think we are going to see that this is much more about who you want to be in the world versus that this is who I am in my work life and this is who I am in my professional or my personal life. And so to your question, I think, I think it is a lifestyle. I think it is a mindset. I think it is a way of, of being in the world that allows people to show up much more intentional. You know, I have a, another story that actually is in the book, and it's about, I don't think you have these out on the West Coast, but there's a convenience store um, here on the East Coast called Wawa. Mm-hmm. And um, it is amazing to me, Jeff, to, to watch. So this is a convenience store that sells, you know, sandwiches and, you know, you can go in and pick up chips or you can go up and pick up um, aspirin or, you know, it's just a quick in, in and out store. And it is amazing to watch the behavior of the people at any of the Wawa's I go to. And I don't know why it happens there. And I'd love to talk to the CEO about, you know, why it happens there. But people invariably will keep the door open or open the door for people coming behind them. And I don't see that anywhere else. And, you know, it's not just that it's a nice gesture. It's very interesting to me to see this in this, you know, in this convenience store. It's a behavior that people have gotten used to. And so any Wawa you go to, you will notice that. And it builds on itself. And so I think, you know, I I noticed that in... In, um, in my own practice, like watching that out in the world, and I thought, you know, this really isn't reserved for the, for the halls of organizations. And so it's nice to see that actually happening out in the world. Maybe it's about the broader acknowledgement of everybody that goes there, that everybody knows everybody's in a hurry, and that, that not only is it it's something that's gracious, but it's an acknowledgement of everybody being there for the same purpose, that, that it has to be in a hurry. And that may be it, and that's a great point. And I think that, you know, if you think about, if you translate that to an organization, you could say, if we had people who knew, who had a same common purpose and felt like we are all here to do X, you know, would you start to see behaviors like that we're talking about show up more and more? Mindy Hall, her book is Leading with Intention. Every moment is a choice. It's just out from Copper Bay Press. Mindy, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Jeff, thanks so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.